What's up, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. Sitting down with my two main men of fitness, Mr. Max Isaac, Mr. James Hobart. This is your host, MDV. Max is chilling in bikini bottoms, the SpongeBob landscape. <laughs> um, whenever James we have, over there looking like the true baby face killer. Yeah, just looking like the baby boss. No, when um the baby boss. The baby. Are you wiping your face already? You sweating already? Yeah, I've been. Uh, I just, I just hopped into the just 9 a.m. Watching cops. And what I, was your workout? Yeah, workout was one uh, k row, thirty deadlifts, one eighty five, one thirty five. Rest three minutes. Rest three minutes. One k row, twenty deadlifts at two twenty five, one fifty five. Rest three minutes. One k row, ten deadlifts, uh, two seventy five, one eighty five. A lot of hinging, uh, but a great workout. The oh, workout brought well, CrossFit. Well, yeah. The workout Dude, ever... brought, brought to you by Mike Tyson. It's final. Some of the feedback sometimes we get about the programming at NC Fit is like, you hinge too much. You squat too much. You press too much. You pull too much. It's like, bro. It's got to be one of those. <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> take, a fucking, take a rest day. That's what it's we got do. Rest day, Tina. It's, 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 it's got to be one of those. Um, when you're programming but... seven days a week, man, you're, you're going to hinge. You're going to squat. You're going to push. You're going to pull. You're going to see those things multiple times per week, especially things like when you get into classifying things like the front squat as a hinge, as a hinge movement. Well, it, it is, is when, when you got the ankle. Well, it, depends, that I do. it depends who's doing the front squat. <laughs> you see them, but for them real front squat hingers, get your shit. Some squat therapy, man. Get upright. Uh, I, I got I man. We got a lot my... to talk about today. What's we got to talk about Tom Brady and Noble and whatever the fuck that means in terms oh of. Now let's get the shit people care about. Um, yeah, I mean, nobody really cares too much about that. But what is going on with that? It seems like TB Noble. <laughs> TB Bull. <laughs> it seems like um, Tom Brady bought the second most or invested into becoming the second highest shareholder in Noble behind his business partner who was the first highest shareholder in Noble. And I know really next to nothing about this. I just kind of heard a few things and saw a few things, but you're taking a footwear and apparel company that started with its roots in CrossFit. And it looks like it's getting into a little bit more of like performance and nutrition and a kind of holistic type of approach with TB12 and TB12 sports. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, who the hell has got time to do holistic approaches? I'm, I'm that grind. That shit grinds. Yeah, my that grind. Gears. That, that you got a twenty minute holistic gears. approach. Amrap twenties. Let's go. That's it. There you go. Take it. You know, like brush your teeth, floss, have a fucking salad every once in a while. <laughs> do a You've got time to floss, amrap. dude. Oh um, my god! Please floss your teeth. Floss. No, I think uh, the the stuff with Nobles. I just look at it from. I guess from like the entrepreneurial side, because I think we we both know Marcus and, and Michael pretty well. I mean, I remember when they Those were- Those are the founders of Noble, by the way. Yeah, when they were at CFNE, they they actually, I think there was a company before Noble that was like surf, right? I think it was a some type of surfing apparel or something like that. So, I mean, I can just remember early on and then, you know, bringing in shoes for us to test and letting us be a part of some of their early ads and video campaigns and- for me, looking at it, it's just spectacular to see, you know, what the company has turned into. I, I honestly don't even care about what's going on with, with TB12 or whatever. I've never loved the shoes. I loved their seven inch knit short. That was like my favorite thing. But just from the side of watching them create something and seeing them grow it, that to me is like, it's amazing to watch that up front. Like that yeah. always, that always motivates me so much because it's like, dude, you don't know what it's going to be. These guys probably tried a number of things leading up to this. This is the thing that's that stuck did really well. They, they created um, a sneaker culture in a sport or fitness movement that didn't really have that, you know, like the stuff that they were doing early on was commonplace in the sneaker world. Right. So um, you know, companies like Nike, when they were dropping the SB Dunk and doing these quick strikes where they were only releasing a limited drop and doing this sort of stuff. This is stuff that's happened so long and, you know, so long before in the sneaker culture, they brought it over to the CrossFit world. Now Rad gets to swim in that wake, right? Like, and I think, I think Rad from an, like, 
like from the authentic side is doing it way differently. And I really like what they're doing. Like one thing I wanted to talk about today was how cool it is for them to sign an athlete like Josh Bridges, right? Like Josh Bridges, I mean, for, for all of us here, like, dude, he was, I can remember him doing Fran on that curved bar at Invictus watching that video over and over again, being like, yo, this is how fucking fast somebody can do Fran, <laughs> like blowing my mind. Bridges still relevant in the CrossFit world, getting this signing from rad and then reading the comments, like people are still following this guy. He's, he's, you know, he, I think he really lives what he talks about. And obviously that's why a company like rad signs him. So, you know, I know I'm kind of everywhere, but it's just something I, I think is, is interesting. The whole noble rad thing and whatever other companies are out there. Well, Let's give props to Michael and, and Marcus at Noble. Uh, those are the two founders, man. Regardless of what this move pans out to be, they started a brand out of nothing. Nothing, yeah. Out of nothing. And now have got arguably one of the top 10 biggest people on planet Earth involved in it in some way, shape, or form. So, I mean... That is an unbelievable accomplishment, regardless of what it means for the business or how the direction of the company is going. The fact that they brought this thing from a hope and a dream that we got born out of CrossFit New England and the dusty dumbbell pile over there. (laughs) (laughs) And now- now is uh, It was all a dream. On top of Tom Brady's chest on his Instagram, which is- unbelievable so who's who's bigger tom brady or taylor swift taylor swift oh taylor swift hands i was gonna say wait until taylor swift buys rad who's who's (laughs) who's bigger travis kelsey or tom brady tom brady tom brady right now right now relevancy i thought it was kels no it's kelsey it's kelsey belt actually Um, did you guys see the statistic that got posted that Taylor Swift has brought an estimated like $350 million worth of 300, 331, but whatever. Yeah. What's, let's round what's up. Nine, what's 19 mil between a couple of buddies, you know, let's I round try up. not to pay attention to statistics. And yeah, anyway, not important, but still like a huge tastemaker, but yeah, I think Taylor Swift's probably top five, top three, most you know recognizable who's more, notable who's, people who, right now. Who is more popular than Taylor Swift? Um, Me. Um, JC, it, it's interesting. The uh, the man above, the, the man above, the, shout out yeah, Yahweh. Um, <laughs> well, when you when you when you when you say something like tastemaker, it sounds like such a delicious, um, you know, delicious job. <laughs> tastemaker, just I like a, you know, I met a you kid ever see those guys? Oh, let's keep going, James, at a, at a level one <laughs> seminar, and he was uh, he was eating candy all weekend. Every lecture eating candy, had had candy out. And I was go, I go, hey man, I don't care. I love junk food. I go, but you're at a fitness seminar. What are you doing eating candy all weekend? And he worked for um Willy Wonka. Wonka brand and he was a candy designer. Did I tell the story? Yeah. No, but I no. knew where this is I knew where this yeah. is going. How crazy. Well, I, like what a job is that? I'm a candy designer. What do you do? I don't know. I'm an accountant. Who gives a shit? This guy's a candy designer. There's a video <laughs> that you can look up on um I don't forget it was YouTube or whatever, but I've seen this clip a bunch of times where it's the guy who is the official taster for Edie's ice cream. And his palate is like insured for a ridiculous amount of money. And the way that he tastes the ice cream and talks about like all the tasting notes, he uses this like tiny little spoon and makes these obnoxious noises with his mouth. Every time he tastes like, yeah, it's like, yeah, every time he takes it and he's just spouting off words. He's like hints of mm. vanilla bean. Anyway, guys, well, we have a lot of, of yeah, it's, a, it's the flavor, dude. <laughs> mahogany. We got some real problems. If you're tasting mahogany, <laughs> we had some cool stuff to talk about today in particular, modifying warmups and working with older athletes or athletes who are in a 50 Vintage. or older over. Yeah. 50 or older age. What group. Was, so, so silver one of, group. One of the coaches at our gym, shout out Jen Stover, my gym, my gym mom. Um, amazing Damn, Lucy, lady. That's fucked up. All right. Lucy's my mom, mom. Your mother. Um, but, uh, you know, so Jen listens to this podcast. So appreciate that. One of six. Apologies six in listeners. advance. Boom. Um, but she coaches, she coaches the vitality group at our gym, takes class regularly. 
And um, she asked us, she asked us, she said, I want you to talk about coaching master. She said, what she referred to as master's masters. So not like me masters, but older masters. Like the actual masters. Yeah. The masters of the universe. Of the universe. Not yes. the 35 to 40 year olds who are still. You're not really a master. Yeah. You're just a, you're just a Petri disc for, for TRT if you're 35. You're just, uh, you're like uh, a couple of pull-ups and a few pounds away from being in the actual CrossFit games. Yeah, like you're, little, little you're still that. damn close. Yeah. So in terms of working with, yeah, what? So in, are we just generally talking about working with athletes who are in that age group? How do we approach them? I think one of, the, I mean, I've told this story before, but one of the most important lessons that I ever learned in coaching was I was working with an older gentleman back way, way back in the day at CrossFit New England, and he had to be in his, I would say, in his mid sixties, thousands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we were working on um just some basic movements and trying to get get him below parallel in a med ball front squat and I kept hammering him on on depth and um he just blew his hips out. It's Yeah, and it's all coming back to bite me right out now. of his out of his groin. Karma. <laughs> I remember he he stopped the session and he turned to me and he said, "You'll never know how I feel right now because you're not me and you're not in the position that I'm in. Oh, and God damn. I, I think that that's one of the things that resonates most with me with working with athletes of any demographic really is like, you don't know what the athlete is feeling. You might be able to observe the athlete and watch them. And based on your experience and how many reps you've seen from other athletes who are similarly situated, and you might be able to make a judgment call and say, yeah, I think that you're able to do this kind of stuff today, or it looks like you have the physical ability to do it, but you never really know what somebody is feeling inside of their body, let alone what somebody is feeling inside of their, their head or their heart. And, you know, you have to take those into consideration as well. Um, but yeah, let's talk about working with athletes who are in that kind of older, older age range. Um, and we've all been there. We, you know, one of the, the wonders of coaching group classes is the fact that when you show up to coach group classes, you're working with everybody across the entire spectrum. So you have to make quick decisions about how you're working with not only athletes who are older, but younger in that middle age group, and then different levels of experience across all of those types of age ranges. So I, I think in the the initial group text, we were talking a little bit about like specifically like general warmups, right? And general warmups for let's say coaching, um, you know, coaching um, older athletes. And one thing that I always think about is the general warmup is an opportunity, obviously, like to let members interact, but it's really an opportunity for you as a coach to kind of assess what's going on with your athletes and. Um, it's like a lot of our members at our gym are 40, 50, you know, we have some 60 plus 70 plus year old athletes. And so the, the general warmup actually needs to be that a general warmup. And I find myself um, shying away from, you know, jumping right into super complex stuff. Um, definitely. And this isn't to say I never do it, but like, not playing a lot of games that are going to get people like sprinting when they're cold. So, um, dude, playing a game off the jump is not necessarily the move unless you're having people get a little sweaty or playing like a warm up game before the game because people will die for points playing things like dodgeball right away. We've outlawed dodgeball because we've, we've talked we about somebody, this before. Yeah, tear their Achilles. Um, but I mean, Max, what are the hallmarks of a good general warm up for you? I mean, yeah, when you say like like a true general warm up, right? You're like like lay that out for for those of us not in the know. Uh, getting somebody's body generally warm and moving through a full range of motion. I, I like, okay, so here's an example. I coached the, uh, the 515 and 615 at, uh, at Tilt today. I already told you today it's a hinge fest. But I chose to row, but there's rowers and bikes. So my 515, we had 30, um, we had 30, 30 members in that class, a full, completely full class. 30 um, athletes, 515, let's go. Hell yeah. Nothing, nothing will get you more fired up in the morning than like seeing 30 people ready to go. Like anyway, um, my general warm up today was um, first one minute casual spin. I literally just say like, Hey, this is an opportunity to talk to all your buddies. Then we hopped off the rowers. We did. I picked my two favorite um, like deadlift warm up stretches. So one is a, 
is a modified pigeon. It's like a, it's like a glute specific pigeon where you get into your normal pigeon stretch. Let's say with that right leg, you bring the left knee back and you re reach back with like your right butt cheek. Um, I've got feedback from a lot of my older members that they like to do a little bit of stretching. They don't like to jump right into even something like good mornings or something like this. So I've taken that feedback. And so good morning is a stretch. Uh, <laughs> good morning is an exercise. It's also a stretch, but like, so we did that, that modified pigeon. <laughs> and then, uh, luckily I've learned a lot from my wife, this really good, um, it's called like a nerve floss for your hamstring. And you'll lay on the ground, pull behind your, let's say your right knee, and then you're, you're flossing your, um, your right leg, left leg, then hop back on the rower. Now we're going one minute and we're starting to think about what's going to be our race pace. What I ask people to do today is find a pace that is not only sustainable for that four minutes, but will allow you to get off, move on the barbell to go for a minute there. Um, and then I actually got right into, um, a three-part barbell warm-up where I broke down the deadlift into three parts. Anyway, I blended my my general and my specific because I also knew uh, I needed to go at a two-minute delay to allow some people to share barbells because thirty barbells in my space was going to be a bit much. So when I had when I wrote my lesson plan two days before, that was part of my contingency plan was. Um, was modifying that then real quick. And then I'll, I'll pass the mic. My 615 was more manageable around 18 to 20 athletes. And I was able to do my, my full warm up the way that I wanted to do it, which was layering in um, a bunch of uh, single leg RDLs without weight and, um, and some different, different uh, hamstring warm-ups and stuff like that. So I didn't really answer the question. But. No, that's okay. I think no, that you, was, that I think was, you got there. You, you told I, us all the details behind it. I think the big takeaways I got from that is like, you're not just going to jump into full range of motion, right? Like that is something I catch myself more and more is like, we are easing into full range of motion though. We're like moving constantly for two, three, four, five minutes. You know, the, the one minute spin, I think is a classic. It's a great way. Like, Hey, jump on a bike, jump on a road, jump on a ski, what walk around the room, whatever you want to do. Like, we're just going to do one to two minutes of just moving, waking your body up, especially for that five fifteen class. Sometimes people walk in yeah. there, man, they haven't had that pre-workout. Yeah, no, that that, that that is also something that I've kept in mind over the past decade of coaching is like at 515 in the morning, if you're expecting your athletes to lift heavy, mm -hmm. like you really need to set the table for them to have the opportunity to do that because shit hits different in the morning. The barbell weighs 46 or 47 pounds. It doesn't That's, weigh 45. You and it's know, always like, colder. It's always 10 degrees colder than yeah, any like, part of the day. Dude, well, not, some not of those winters week. in the Northeast oh, at that time we, of the day. We, we got the nest. When I, wake up, when, when, when I wake up at 4 a.m., I check the nest here in Waltham. I crank that shit up to 70. Nobody tell Len. He'd fucking kill me, but <laughs> I I walk into the gym. I could be wearing a fucking birthday suit and I'd be feeling good. Dude, <laughs> is there a bigger point of contention sometimes between coaches and coaches and owners with leaving oh. the heat or the air conditioning running either like in the summer or the winter, you know, whatever the uh, predominant season is? So my, my previous, yeah, previous part, I don't care if I'd get a paycheck. I'm just going to turn the fucking heat up to a hundred in the gym in the winter. <laughs> Oh my God. But I think Max boiled it down pretty well, man. And what he was saying in terms of getting his athletes warm, you generally want to take your athletes and get their core body temperature up, you know, get them warm, go from a resting state to a pre-workout state. And that's generally using some sort of monostructural movements, you know, moving your body through space. You can do burpees, you can do all those types of things and getting your athletes into a functional range of motion, Max is looking at what he's doing for the workout for that day, rowing and deadlifting, and starting to open up those major muscle groups, those major pathways, getting his athletes ready for that hinging. And then after that, obviously getting some skill transfer stuff going on and working into the barbell and all that kind of good stuff. But, you know, boiling it down, good general warm up, generally get your athletes moving, raise their core body temperature, go from resting to working move through an appropriate range of motion. And James is talking about progressive range of motion in that regard as well. And then maybe getting specific as you get more towards, you know, quote unquote, workout time. But does anything change there in regard to what you're doing with your 
older athletes? How, how are we advising older athletes during that time? I just got some little logistical tips. And I think for, if you, for older athletes, especially if you're unfamiliar with them, um, I got a couple things here. I'll let Max go. But real quick, I was going to say, you got to have boxes out, bands and dumbbells. Um, and reason being with the boxes, especially when I've coached athletes um, much older than me, sometimes it's just like a slow process for them getting up and down off the ground. So if, we got, if we're doing a lot of stretches from like top to bottom, standing to floor, um, you know, range of motion about hip, about knee can be different for those athletes significantly. So to have a box handy where they can maybe do the pigeon on the box as opposed to the floor or groin or stretch on a box. I think those are just some easy little logistical wins. You can just have those available, you know, nearby for athletes, especially in a group class of mixed athlete ability level and age. So that way you're not like singling that person out and like, you know, you're like waiting for for Lucy to walk halfway across the room for 10 minutes at zero miles an hour to grab a box and then drag it back. And so I think those are just little three little logistical things, bands, dumbbells, boxes nearby for athletes in those classes, or if you are coaching a master's master's class. What's up, ladies and gents, MDV here. Excuse the brief interruption to your normally scheduled intro programming, but if you're a gym owner, turn on your listening ears. It's time to learn about the NC Fit Collective. The NC Fit Collective is designed exclusively for gym owners who want to source their programming from the people who know it best. We create 365 days a year of result-driven, fun, and challenging workouts, all designed to be done in a class environment, and there's no nonsense. None of this stuff that might show up that your members are going to groan or moan at. We are throwing our fastball every single time, and all of those workouts are backed up by a class plan which you can utilize not only for your coaches to go out there and be fully prepared, but to develop them over the course of many repetitions. Every single time they take the floor, they're going to get a little bit better. Check out nc.fit backslash programming to learn more. When you're looking at things like timeline and group management and, and making sure you're running a really buttoned up class experience and you know not sending people off on these quests to go get tons of materials and come on back, you know, knowing, knowing your audience, knowing what you're going to need is, is huge. It also saves you a ton of, ton of time if you have all that stuff at the ready. Um, but Max, in terms of working with older athletes, any tips or tricks that, you know, you've kind of employed over the years? Um, well, always having, uh, I always dial nine one and then I wait <laughs> to dial. No. Um, so no, it, that's so bad. I'm, <laughs> that's terrible joke. I'm, I'm, it's a joke, but I, uh. actually, I actually don't treat it any different than I would a new athlete in my class or, or anybody else in my class. Like I find the most important thing during the whiteboard brief in the general warmup. Well, specifically in, in the whiteboard brief is just giving people a couple of things to think about during the general warmup. So if modifications are needed, we can start to talk about them during the general warmup. Like that is also a really good opportunity. So something that, that I have realized from coaching either older athletes or, or newer athletes is, you know, if you have, you know, mobility issues, if you have limitations, if you're dealing with an injury, generally speaking, people like one of my biggest pet peeves is like a coach. And I know, I know this is actually something that used to happen at, at Reebok CrossFit one all the time. Hey, my name's Max. It's the workout today. Does anybody have like any injuries and them being like, yeah, so you know, like I have this going on it. It's better if they're like, yeah. And then you're like, okay, cool. Like let's check in during the general warmup. Right. Like I find that people are not like so willing to tell you like what they have physically going on now, mentally I've had full therapy sessions with people at the whiteboard. No, it's like uh, the thing that I care the most about is offering a couple of modifications during the, during the whiteboard brief. So during the general warmup, I can check in with people and being like, Hey, how do you feel about this? Like MDV, you're talking a little bit, let's just say like about squatting. Right. And like, Hey, you know, today we're, you know, we're going to be doing squat cleans. Like if there's issues going below parallel, let's chat about it. Let's find a modification. But you know, it's, I mean, I don't know, whenever I think about coaching a master's athlete, like I think about like my mom, 
and we at my mom and I actually just took the 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 nine a.m. No modifications for her today. Deadlift is her fucking favorite day. My mom came in today. She's like, today is my favorite workout. I'm like, that is the fucking coolest thing in the world. Use the men's <laughs> prescribed barbells all the way throughout. Yeah. I'm like, well, fucking put a corset on and let's rip that thing off the ground. No, like um, <laughs> my, uh, you know, like, like my mom came to do Monday's workout and there's, there's snatches, right? And it was um, five, 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 three, 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 one, one, one. And then it was 60 power snatches for time, uh, every break, 10 to 15 V-ups. And, um, you know, I said, I said, Hey, for the, for the snatch piece, like, let's, let's do some reps of the PVC pipe. But then she like really wanted to power clean. I'm like, okay, so let's do some PVC reps. Then let's do some power clean reps and, and get some reps in there. So you can get some weight in your hand. And when we get to the workout, let's let's actually do a power clean so again you can kind of feel the the grip from doing that as opposed to doing your snatches with the pvc pipe so it's just being creative right like as whether you're dealing with newer athletes or older athletes or any athlete it's about the coach being able to to be creative with their with their modifications and uh, and um and also how they're communicating that to their members so i agree with all that stuff i think you know, in a couple of things that stood out for me and you, you made some, some really good points in there, but a couple of things that I think are really important also recognize is that you might be dealing with athletes who have, or expressing movement in a different range of motion than you are used to seeing with older athletes. And, you know, this is one of those things when you see master's competitions happen, a lot of times the master's range of motion, they have, they, they will clear it with their judge because their body at this point, they're they're not able to access a range of motion maybe that they what you would typically see out of you know a very young and limber athlete. I'm not saying that all athletes or all older athletes are like this, but you know there are limitations in range of motion that you have to be aware of, and you don't want to force people, especially under load or intensity, into those positions. So I think having an understanding of what your athlete's natural range of motion is at this point in their life, and understanding that. Yeah, you probably have some leeway in pushing them a little bit in terms of things like depth and overhead position, and um, but certainly not doing it under very intense load or speed. Um, the other thing that I, I've I've noticed over the years is that you know when we're working with with older athletes, a lot of times they also have sought the advice of of medical professionals or people outside of the gym and you know, they have, and that's amazing. And, you know, we all have done that before. And you have to understand that those people are doing that because they want to continue to come into the gym and they want to be able to continue to participate in what you're offering them. And it's not offensive. It shouldn't be offensive that they're coming in and saying, Hey, my, my doctor or my PT wants me to do this instead of this. I think you should always respect that advice that they're going and seeking from the professionals outside of your arena and work with them in a way that allows them to feel comfortable with what they're doing. And, you know, a lot, sometimes this comes down to even like, you know, my, my, my PT or my doctor says uh, I should wear a belt every time that I deadlift, regardless of what your opinions are about that. If that's what their medical professional outside of the walls of the gym is telling them to do, I think respecting that is really important. And I've made that, you know, mistake before about, you know, Same. saying, you know, you, hey, if we're going to deadlift light, maybe we don't need the belt today. We can train the midline. We can make sure that we're keeping everything solid and static through that range of motion. But like, you don't want to put somebody into an uncomfortable position where they're contradicting the advice of somebody who, you know, they trusted and they sought out. So I think that those are, are also, you know, good things to remember that the range of motion, it might be different. And I think the best way to evaluate the true range of motion of, of those athletes is after they're generally warm, seeing what they're like in these unloaded positions, you know, what does their, you know, strict press look like with a pair of light dumbbells? What does their strict press look like with, an, you know, an empty training barbell? What does the air squat look like? Uh, you know, what does the hinge pattern look like? All those types of things. Because, yeah, maybe they improve, you know, as they get a little bit warmer and they're adding load. But generally, you're going to be working with that range of motion or close to it with those you get athletes. what you get yeah you get what you get and you don't get upset the other and thing then you is get upset. 
the gear conversation. I think sometimes we can have our own preconceived notions about like what gear is appropriate for people. But yeah. like, honestly, who the fuck cares if, you know, your athlete feels more comfortable wearing their, their belt or their knee sleeves or their elbow sleeves or whatever it is. I think the one caveat to that for me is like, if they're relying so heavily on the belt to the detriment of their uh, midline stabilization, like they're, they're, and this is any athlete, you know, putting 315 on the bar, strapping on your belt and then not paying attention at all to what your midline is doing only because you're wearing a belt. Um, probably not the best way. It's not even the way the belt works, bro. Um, but the, the thing some belts you, work that way. I don't know. The thing that you talked about, which really hit home for me is like bringing your own like being pushy about your opinions and beliefs to your members and like this idea that like, you know, best it's like, well, you probably know something. Um, but it, it's, it's important to like have that like disclaimer, like, Hey, you know, I would recommend when you're warming up a light deadlift to not mix your grip because could be cool for you to work on your grip strength but if you don't want to don't <laughs> you know like on monday we like i said we snatched and a thing that i talked a lot about was like using the hook grip and and why you would use the hook grip and i explained the benefit of it i'm like but also if you don't want to fucking do it don't like don't don't do it and i always frame it in a way like if you want to get better try it and if you don't don't you know, it, it, as it's a bit of a joke, but like over the years, I've learned to just be like you said, MDV, like be more accepting. You know, if somebody's like, dude, you know, I, I really feel more comfortable squatting in knee sleeves, where the fucking knee sleeves, you know? And like, and the question that you have to ask yourself as a coach is like, is this a safety thing or is this like a me thing? Is it like my ego? that like that's getting in my way and why I'm talking to my members this way, or is this like a real safety thing? You know, like th there are some things that people obviously need to know that are important. And there's other things that it's like, Hey man, if this makes you feel comfortable or like you just said, th this, th this is so hugely important. This person has sought out medical attention or like a, a, a medical professional. And they're like, yes, yeah, so my PT says, yeah, I can't fuck your PT. Like I'm gonna have you do this today. It's like, no, nah. That ain't it. You know, like, not the not the way to approach that situation. <laughs> right. For sure. Right. No, I, I just think it's um it's it's one of these things that's really, really hard. And as coaches, we can get wrapped up in it, you know, and that also feels to me a lot like how it was in the old school, you know, <laughs> like like that's that that feels very much like 10 years ago to me. So James, what are your thoughts on all this? Oh, let's put a bow on this. I, I want to kind of wrap this up. And um, I just, I just want to say, um, you know, what everyone should do if you're a coach and you haven't yet, you get on the Google, you go search CrossFit coaching, the aging athlete, and you download that PDF, um, mainly and created by a lot of people on the CrossFit seminar staff team. Um, one of the people you probably give the most credit to is Matt Swift, um, incredible coach, probably one of the most subtle minds to be involved with CrossFit in a long time. And he, uh, I believe he originally owned and ran CrossFit Brisbane, but, um, uh, great coach and, and mentor of mine. But anyway, Matt spent a lot of time thinking about coaching the aging athlete. And I think what's great about this PDF is it's also going to reframe your thinking for any athlete. I mean, you're applying the same principles to a master's or a master's master's athlete that you would to any athlete. I just think some of the, what should I say? Um, the risk reward calculation is needs to be a little bit closer to the front of your mind, but he talks about in this manual, you need to consider four things and that's goals fitness level, age, and injury state. And that's going to sort of really guide how you interact with an individual athlete or a group of athletes. Because one of the things I see happen, and this occurs between people who are 30, same age, 35. But one of the things I've noticed is like, I've met 60-year-olds who are just like some of the fittest people I've ever met. Six-year-olds or 60-year-olds? Both. 60-year-olds. Um, <laughs> And uh, we have a, we have a guy in our gym who's probably late fifties, sixties, 
And, um, you know, he just gets after it and his mindset is to get after it. And he trains extra and pays attention. And then I've, I've met six year olds in the gym who are like, yeah, I haven't worked out in 40 years. Um, so I, and I think obviously the consequence for screwing that athlete up, pushing them too fast, too heavy, too soon is a lot more top of mind, um, with that age group. And I think that's something to, to check out. So I would encourage everyone. It's a long PDF. It's heady, but it, it'll reframe the way you think about coaching and, and approaching all athletes, especially masters. The other thing I think is really important is just that you both touched on is to, and to hit this again is the, you know, progressive range of motion increase. Like I'm slowly trying to make this person warm. I was actually talking to an athlete yesterday and She's one of our master's athletes. And at the end of class, she was doing some stretching and I was kind of telling her, I was like, Hey, it would really help you to do stretching's great. Mobility's great, but some dedicated squat therapy, I think is going to help you target what you want to target. And she said to me, she said, well, I'll remember that for next time. Cause she says, my, my joints are too cold now for me to jump back into squats. Right. And that's just something all, you know, like I do a workout and it's like, i don't ever think about, well, I'm too cold now post-workout to squat. Like that's never a thought I've had in my head in my 30, whatever, seven years I've been on earth. So I do think it's really important for us to take in consideration, not coddle, but have a plan of how do you progressively warm up range of motion with this group of, of masters, masters, athletes. Cause as you do that, you'll start to identify, Hey, who can I push a little harder? Who do I maybe have to spend a little bit more time with? Maybe, you know, they do that. This person is squatting to a box or maybe I have to do another round of leg swings and, you know, whatever hamstring scoop stretch. And we got to go back on the bike for another minute. So those are some things that I just want to shout out there. And again, that, that train coaching the aging athlete PDF, like get your hands on that thing. I think CrossFit still has an online course for it, but the PDF is money. So. Does anybody else think it's kind of fucked that James had the answer to this the whole time? And we just whole spent yeah, James, half, dude, we, we just spent the whole episode talking about this thing that you could have just said. Download yeah, I, the I, I liked, I liked, I liked hearing what you guys said. Cause I think it's important, right? It, you do also learn. There's a lot of ways to peel the onion here, right? Like you guys are all very, very um, no, experienced, I, active coaches. So I know, no, I know. I'm just like I'm I said, I wasn't, I'm not giving the answer. I'm just putting the bow on, putting the bow on the package. Um, you guys wrapped it for me. Interesting thing about cutting onions. Um, couple there oh, are a God. couple different ways no so one thing is um if you do have an issue with your eyes watering is to run water while you while you cut the onion um the other thing if to you do, rub the onion in your eye before you start cutting it you gain an immunity i cannot vouch for that but i'll try it tonight <laughs> um then the other thing is um wearing a pair of goggles so um also swim goggles look, or like <laughs> yes sw yeah swim goggles and you will look way cooler while you're cutting the onions um so again talk about putting a bow on top of a bow we just talked about different Goggles. ways to cut to, to no to cut the onion i mean this is uh, one, one other level. thing i want to talk about in terms of warm-ups and this is feedback that we also get at the nc fit collective in yeah. when we're producing our our workouts we're obviously producing what we look at as being the best expression of a seven-day snapshot of what we want to see out of our um, our program and the athlete's development along a, a pretty distant horizon. We're not just looking at seven days. You know, it's hard to just look at, you know, one week of programming and be like, okay, this is, this is it. This is everything. You're, you're talking about a program that's running for a long time and athletes participating in it for a long time. That's one thing. But the other thing is we create a lot of tools that go along with these workouts, our coaching plans, our videos. And within these coaching plans, we are offering a general warm-up or we're offering a warm-up suggestion that coaches can choose to follow or what I believe is probably the best route. And when you're looking at the group that's standing in front of you, you always have to make adjustments to your general warm-up based on who's standing in front of you, based on what time of day you're coaching, based on the athletes and the knowledge that you have in terms of what they need to get warm for the movements that you're going to present to them in the workout. And there's no one perfect warm-up for a, a workout. You know, you could have a million different ways that you slice the apple to get to, you know, right at the jump of the workout and your athletes are warm and ready to tackle it. But the best thing is to always look at the athletes who are standing in front of you and, and what are 
their goals? What are their age levels? What are their injury statuses? What are their fitness levels? What time of day are you coaching these people? And then back into what you think is the most appropriate way to get the athlete warm. Generally, when you're thinking about warmups, if you have a really long workout, a lot of your time in the timeline is probably going to be dedicated to that workout. So you're probably going to have a little bit of a shorter warmup and you're going to expect your athletes in the first few minutes of that workout to still continue on in getting warm and then getting a little bit more intense as the workout goes on. When you have a shorter workout, the intensity generally is much, much higher at the jump of the workout. So you want to have a little bit more of an extended warm-up period there to have them ready to really go after it fast at that three, two, one go uh, call. So I know warm-ups are one of these things that a lot of people have different opinions on. We got started talking about this topic in terms of, of older athletes, masters athletes, but just generally, I think it's important to remember that, you know, the warm-up, if somebody gives you a plan and you look at that warm-up and you're like, oh, this doesn't make sense for who's standing in front of me, then change it to make sense for who's standing in front of you. I just had, an, I'm having a thought here. Uh, Bring it. Also for the masters, masters, and really any warm-up where you're not where you have athletes who like might just be able to hammer the warm up, others who need like real nice warm up is stop using reps. You know, when people are like, we're going to do 10 kip swings, right? And Max gets on the bar, 10 kip swings, pop, 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 pop. And I get on the bar first day and I'm like, I do one and I come down. And you're all standing around, and you're staring at me to work through my 10 kip swings. It's the worst. Like I would give people rep ranges and this goes for masters athletes, really a lot of warm ups. There's a time and place for reps, but, um, or just give them a shitload of reps. Hey, do 20 reps and know that you're going to cut them short. Right. So it's, it allows people to work at their own pace and allows you to keep the warm up moving. Um, the other thing I was going to say, damn it. I just forgot what it was. What were we talking time about? Domains. Rep it's ranges and time domains oh, are great. Bang time domains. There you go. Yeah. Yes, in That's general it. warmups, use a time domain. I mean, this is, I, we've talked about this b before, but use a time domain because let's just even use an air squat as an example. Hey, we're going to do 10 air squats. It's going to take me fucking an hour to do 10 air squats. Like, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm like, want to move slow. James wants to do 100. Like, hey, we're going to do... 30 seconds of air squats, focus on this. Again, like using time domains in a general warm-up also gives your members a chance to talk to people around them, move at their own pace, gives you the coach a chance to talk to people. It's I, I think that's kind of a no-brainer using the using a time domain. Um, and like you said, there's a time and place for called reps. Also, depending on the movement, you're gonna call reps way differently. I don't mm. know anybody that I don't know anybody that teaches a kettlebell swing and calls go go on the kettlebell thing that's not you know like that's that's not that's not how it works that's not how any of this works you know like yeah uh, i like this discussion a lot in terms because now we're getting a little bit more into like some teaching stuff but i also think that this is appropriate for warm-ups when you're talking about calling reps for your athletes versus giving them a time domain and allowing them to do the reps on their own and i think just from a coaching perspective there's a lot of value in both you know, there's yep. a lot of value in calling the reps for your athletes and being able to see how the group is moving and, and identifying outliers because you see somebody who's moving very, very differently from everybody else. And then you're keeping everybody in the same cadence. And a lot of times when groups are moving together, everybody kind of falls into a sequence, which is really, really cool. There's also downsides to that. I've seen a lot of coaches mess up called reps in terms of holding the equipment too long or holding a oh my God. holding <laughs> positions too long or calling too many CF reps. The old barbell warm up. Oh, oh man. yeah, it's great. You're doing, you're doing, don't ever put 50, that thing down. 50 reps, your arms fall off. Your, you know, your thumbs are brown from holding onto the barbell. Um, this is such a good discussion. Like the called reps are super valuable if you're doing something with them. If you're, if you're calling reps and you're, you're actually making some sort of change or you're giving a focus before the called reps, you know, you're taking reps, let's say a high hang squat clean and you're saying, Hey, focus right now is, you know, let's just, let's make the focus on the upright torso from position one. I want you at your pockets. I want you to focus on jumping up and then you're cueing and you're making corrections based off of that one thing. But like you just said, MDV, if you're holding people in the bottom, 
or you know, you're, you're holding them in uncomfortable positions for an excessive amount of time. You're not getting good movement out of people because they're like, when is this going to be fucking over? The other thing is, are you clear with the way that you're cueing? And are you introducing that before they have the barbell in their hands? Hey, the movement looks like this. The cue is going to be go, and you're demoing what it's going to look like. All right, we're going to do five reps together and then five reps on your own, and that it's actually five reps. You know, like this, this is like the, uh, the like building trust with, with your members. Are we actually going to do the five reps? Am I going to keep you moving? Like it's, I mean, listen, if you're, if you're a new coach, um, yes, you need to practice calling reps, but like, I think this is probably one of the hardest things for new coaches to do well, because in, in my opinion, like calling empty reps is just calling fucking empty reps. They might as well just move out, move on, on a time domain. If you're going to, if you're going to call reps and you're not going to make any sort of changes or you're not going to bring any sort of attention to the movement, like I, I'm not, I'm not sure if it has any value. Yeah. And I also think that this is where you could start to lose people that, you know, you start to lose people during warmups or during teaching. And, you know, this is a common complaint that, Hey, I have athletes that don't pay attention to me or don't, don't follow the warmup. And I think that a lot of it comes down to you know your presence and attitude but it also comes down to the intention of what you're doing and how well you're you're executing on that intention and like max said if you're hemorrhaging trust all the time because you're you know either not sticking to the number of reps that you're you're saying you're going to call or you start to just call empty reps and the athletes are kind of lost in la la land i think that that's where you know a lot of people um can get get lost in, in warmups and in teaching. I'm not saying that there's also not times that athletes are, you're doing your best and athletes are generally disengaged. I think that that sometimes happens as well, that there's just people that don't want to participate in things like warmups or teaching sessions or, you know, slowly building or working on more basic skills. And a lot of times I think that comes down to a conversation with the athlete outside of the the class environment about what the intention of these things are and making sure that they aware, they're aware that like these are all setting us up for success for like the things that are going to come when we when we go to do the workout. And all of the best athletes in the world, they all participate in these things. They all warm up. They all do these things to get themselves ready to for peak performance. So that's another thing that I think a lot of coaches struggle with is like how do I how do I get some of these people, maybe some of these OGs, how do I keep them invested in the things that I'm doing, especially if they're, you know, more basic things or the coach might be a little bit greener in the, uh, the coaching spectrum. The other thing, man, you guys make some good points. Um, the other thing here is I, I started trying to do this way more is following the program at your gym that you coach, because I come in and I'll look, sometimes look at a warm up and I'll be like, Oh, you know what? This is a good warm up, but it's not quite hitting the soreness that I feel sore today. And that's something I noticed. Like the other day I went into class and I, you know, the workout was whatever, but like at the previous week, like everybody's just backs, legs, just, just smashed sore. <laughs> and it was like, the warmup was like, it jumped right into like air squats. And I was like, mm, this is not happening right now. I mean, we could all do them, but it would have been like, you know, push your knees out and everybody would have been like crapping their pants to try to do it. <laughs> So I think like following Max your with that laugh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, following your program is really important because it's like I can relate to my athletes more and be like, hey, didn't expect this. But, is, you know, anybody's shoulder blades, you know, upper back just totally wrecked. And people be like, yeah, OK, great. We're going to warm that up first. We're going to stretch that first. I think that's something that's probably overlooked. Really simple, really powerful is when you can, you know, do the program you coach regularly. I'm not saying. Oh yeah, we've to do it all the time, but it is, it is, it's an overlooked, it's probably if someone was like, what's the one thing I can do to be a better coach? I'd say aside from writing a plan, however good or shitty it is, it's do the programming you coach other people to do. Like, it's like, it just gives you, it's almost like a cheat code. Oh God, but I it'll definitely make you see the workout. Yeah. Differently. Yeah. You just. Cause I, I, I walked into it. Yeah. Go ahead. Max go. I, I just feel like we've talked about this at nauseum. Like that, that like you should just be reminder. No, it is. But like what what you just said, it's, it's also like one of the ultimate like bonding points for you as a coach and for your members, like your members 
don't live at the gym. And again, something we've talked about at nauseum before. They're they're at the gym for an hour, right? So they don't like a lot of the times newer athletes don't really like understand like even like what they're experiencing from like a soreness from maybe like a tiredness perspective, like all this stuff. Right. And so when you as a coach take class and then you're on the floor 15 minutes before and you're talking to your members and you're like, God, like, man, yesterday, like totally smoked me, you know, like, like you said, like anybody's like upper backs feeling like really tight and everybody's like, Oh God, like, you know, like people are like too afraid to say this. Like, Oh, thank God. Like I thought I was, you know, I thought I was fucking dying, but like, Oh, James is feeling the same way or like MDV is feeling the same way. It, it makes them feel so validated and so much more like at ease, like, Oh my God, this fucking superhero that like, I've only seen work out a couple times when I see him work out. It's like, it's the most insane thing ever feels the same way that I feel. And then in class, you're, you're like you said, you're tailoring this general warm up to that. Like that's, that is how like people will come back and people be like, Oh, I got to take MDV's class. Oh, I got to take James's class, whatever, you know, like those are the things that like, bond and bind people to a coach to a gym like that is these are the things that that i believe make people want to stay and want to come back hell yeah i think that that's a great place to wrap it up fellas awesome awesome yeah that's all we got today cool last words um yeah next time next time have we talked about only picking two workouts to test. Oh, we did talk about the two yeah. workouts to yeah. test fitness. Okay. That's old. Um, I just, hey, right, I'm just so, checking. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to give people some a heads up. What's coming down the pipeline next week. So, a couple things to think about. Um, True detective season four. It's fucking scary, but it's good. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's got, it's got Jody, Jody Foster. Foster yeah, I heard. It, it oh, is, um, dude, I, I, it's scary. And then the other thing that I put in the group chat was, um, it's sumo Mandarin season, and I believe it to be the most elite level of citrus. And that's all I got. Okay, none of that was fitness related. <laughs> I don't care. All right, have what a great day. Love you guys. See ya. Love you guys. Okay, Peace out. Bye. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go. Let's go.